working in the lab late one night. That's right, welcome back to Range Anxiety for your midweek session. And today, listen, <sighs> deep sigh of relief because we're missing one important ingredient for our 20-something minutes of stupidity, not once but twice a week, and that's Big Paul Babe. Finally had to go back to work and do some goddamn work. And it's about time because we're all getting sick of him, you know, slacking off. I mean, unless he's up there mining, how am I going to get more EVs made? That's right, Paul. Keep digging. And thank you very much there for Monster Mash from Bobby Boris Pickett. He's got one of those voices. You know, he could work for Stellantis. Maybe, uh, maybe not. But yeah, interesting times. Interesting times afoot. And uh, we're going to be talking about... Why some cars can be monsters and a mashup of a thing today. Yeah, I've seen it all over all of those years. Some of it good, some of it bad. But it's good to see I'm copping a bit of flack for what we're doing here too. Like, um, a guy I know went to a car show the other day. He's a mate of mine. Yes, I do have them. And he certainly doesn't work for Stellantis. And this little shave nut wanker that thinks he can tune cars was making jokes about me. <laughs> He's done in with his electric cars going after he just got his, like, crappy old BMW impounded for doing 200 plus. Who's the bright one there, cheese stick? Maybe get yourself another neck tat. Hmm, very nice. Anyway, you always got to, you know, upset a few people. And if upsetting them is like looking towards the future and saying, hey, how am I going to stay in business? And hey, how are cars going to be fun in years to come? Then let them get upset because there's dinosaurs like that, no matter what their birth certificate might say their age is, that we don't need anymore. So remember, you heard that here a first, another first from Range Anxiety. Now, um, let's get on to today's uh, topic. Having seen it all before, like I just said, I've seen some absolutely incredibly stupid and complicated things done to cars. Now, I'll set you straight here. One of the reasons I like EVs is because of their elegant simplicity. I was about to say elegant stupidity. Oh, that too. I mean, any car that farts is stupid. That's not a first. A few people have said that. Um, you know, I like being able to put a car in a hoist or look at the power units or look under the hood, the bonnet, as we say in Australia, and uh, see something that's well thought out, well executed and well planned. I don't mean necessarily hidden wiring looms or anything like that, because that's a bit more decorative and we all know how I hate a decorative modifications on cars. But I mean things that are laid out with thought and uh, some... Design has gone into their placement because normally the more thought and the less slapdashery, uh, the more reliable the vehicle is. Now, unfortunately, on some cars, it's uh, basically impossible, right? You know, once they get to a certain level. Now, I'm, I'm getting old enough now and jaded enough that I can just look at something from, you know, for five minutes and say, this ain't going to work. Or if it does work, it's not going to work for very long because it's not very well thought out. Now, I'm having a look at a car that's being built like that at the moment and everything is an afterthought on it. Now, like I said, I've been around this a lot. So, for example, there was a GDR I was involved with some years ago. Um, and, you know, it was a reasonable thing. It made 
good power. We're talking a thousand horsepower plus. And some years back, that was, you know, it's not like it's it's a, it's a, a candy store in every corner, like like thousand horsepower cars are now. I mean, I know one guy, and not mentioning any names, who has ten thousand horsepower at the crank as street cars. I mean, why wouldn't you? I mean, think of all of those, you know, dinosaurs that you're killing. But yeah, a thousand horsepower isn't what it used to be. But back then, it was something special, and everyone, went, you know, oohed and aahed and carried on like the general booger shuckers that they are. But it was so poorly engineered uh, that it rarely ran properly, and when it did run, it didn't run for very long, and that's what stopped it from being one of the fastest of its type in the world at the time. Now, some of the stupidity, some of the things I've seen are just incredible. Um, for example, anyone that wants to run anything in the boot, in the trunk of a car, other than maybe, say, a, a dead body or a case of beer, is a fucking idiot, right? I have seen this many, many times over the years where people will put radiators in the boot because they've cut out all the front of the car to put turbos in it. Um, and they say, oh, NASCAR's put radiators in the boot. Well, that's probably well-engineered, not like with 30 foot of rubber hose running back and forth through the cabin of the car, as I've seen done. It's just, it's just not very smart. And, of course, unless you know what you're doing with directing and diverting airflow, it's not going to work very well. And, you know, they cuddle these knacker ducts into the boot lid and put fans there to block the airflow and... They just don't understand that boots, trunks, aren't meant to be um, cooling areas of a vehicle unless it's a Porsche. And even then, they use the front. They're not stupid. Um, the best I've ever seen, though, and yeah, it's, it's some story, and it's a great story, was uh, with catch cans put in uh, the trunk. Like, you know, like an oil breather, oil separator catch can. Yeah, you know, it catches all the slurry that comes out of a high boost motor, out of the rocker covers, all the pressure out of the sump, and uh, normally it locates in a drainable compartment uh, very close to the engine itself. But in this case, there was no real estate left. So rather than use your brain, there was a catch can uh, put into uh, the uh, boot. Now, this thing was about 15 litres in size. It was a big bastard, right? you know, three and a half gallons, boy. And uh, two big, long rubber hoses. Well, one ran off, ran off the PCV at the back of the engine, I think. And uh, there was three hoses, actually. And two from uh, the rocker covers, because it was a V configuration. Engine made their way the entire length of the vehicle, under the vehicle, held up like a, you know, like a truss bridge with cable ties, little bows in them the whole way under cross members and up and then up and into uh, the boot and the catch can. Now, unfortunately, what happened there is that during testing, it didn't seem like much oil was getting into the boot, but the engine was still breathing quite heavily. And, you know, it was no surprise because the oil had to go along, down, a long, a long, 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 long time, and up, then up, up again, and into uh, the can. Now, oil vapour doesn't like doing that, so along the way, I suppose, the steam component of it, it condenses, or the combustion gas 
um, evaporates or condenses and we start to form a bit of a, a liquid in these hoses, which we found, or the bright spark involved, found uh, backed up into um, the engine. So you could take these hoses off, the catch can was empty, and uh, they would have five litres of oil in them. <laughs> it wasn't very well thought up. Who would have thought that liquid oil doesn't like running uphill with minimal pressure? Hmm. Yeah, some mothers do have them. So uh, to counter this against any... I was just an observer here. I was not adding my two cents worth. To counter this, it was decided that it was best that the oil was ejected out of the exhaust system. Now, there was a good old-fashioned system that was around back in the days for old carby V8s, and, you know, it works very well, worked very well. It's called the Moroso Vacupan system, where the breathers were put into oh, the, just the extensions after the headers so that there was a natural, like, gas velocity thing that sort of pulled them out. Yeah, pu pulled the, there was a Venturi effect that pulled the um, oil vapours out and just shot them out the tailpipe. So you wouldn't really notice them, but you wouldn't have an engine, you know, that was eating its own shit. And you certainly wouldn't have a catch can that was full of anything. So the Moroso Vacupan was what I like to call an elegant idea. It worked to a degree for engines that weren't terminally critically ill. And it gave you nothing to empty out or maintain between runs. Very clever idea. Good one, Mr. Moroso. It's right up there with your 400 metre drag calculator that I think, obviously, Stellantis used to judge the track times of their Hellcats and Demons, because they ain't that quick. Anyway, so this guy in particular, I'm not even going to call him by his nickname that I use on this channel, decided that it would be best to you unclip the hoses out of the trunk and just run them flat into like the last two feet of the exhaust right that's cool so it just sort of eject the oil like you know oh you know it was about halfway down the exhaust but it was bloody red hot at this point so anything that was built up in the lines just used to get sprayed out of the exhaust now i happen to be there i count myself very fortunate you know as i say i've been around a a long time, and I got to see this mutton head run this thing, and it was absolutely amazing. I was standing next to, it was it a 400 meter event, and I was standing next to a guy that was quite an experienced drag racer. Unfortunately, he's a flat earther, so he doesn't have much idea about stuff, but he did know how to get a car from the short end to the deep end in a reasonable amount of time, and he knew all about chassis setup and wheel spin and everything else. Now, this car was all-wheel drive, right? It was an R35 GDR. Let's give half the game away here. Now, when this car took off in the line, it was like a, a unprepped solo heads up. No, sorry, unprepped solo thing. When this car left the line, you know, it left on a, a pretty mild launch control and it just took off. It took off, you know, like a bat out of hell and just erupted into the biggest smoke ball you've ever seen. Now, I was standing amongst about two or three hundred people probably at the time and they all were like whoa look at the power this thing's got it's spinning all four wheels look at the smoke pouring out of it but you see the experienced guy like captain boogerita next to me of the flat earth brigade said that's just hurt the engine because he could see because his eye wasn't trained on the smoke screen his eye was trained on uh, the chassis and the wheels of the car. And even though we were standing, probably we were standing well, well back, thank God. 
probably 50 metres to 100 metres away, he could see that it wasn't coming off the wheels and it was coming out the tailpipes. So what had happened is all this liquid oil that had built up with a big launch had just shot clean into the red-hot exhaust and just burnt. So it made the most massive uh, James Bong-style smoke cloud you have ever seen. And, you know, if it wasn't so tragically stupid, it would have been funny. So I turned around to Captain Flat Earth and said, nah, mate, I know the car. That hasn't hurt the engine. He goes, mate, I've been drag racing for 40 years and have seen and done more. I've forgotten more than you'll ever know. And he probably has, but he obviously hasn't met anyone this fucking stupid. Because when I explained it to him, for a brief glimpse, a moment there, he believed that the world was round. That no one could be dumb enough to have big sags in long lines that fill with liquid oil and spray themselves into the exhaust system. It did, it happened, and it's up there with my most favourite stupid things that I have ever seen. So that was the best a monster mash. At the moment, I'm putting involved, I'm involved, I'm not doing it, so I don't like this kind of thing, I'm putting a dry sump onto an engine uh, with a very uh, busy engine bay. You know, the people that go... Uh, want 2,000 horsepower, they want air conditioning, power steering, they want their Bluetooth and Blacktooth to work, they want every creature comfort of the car, but they want 2,000 horsepower daily drivable with a dry sump, and they want it all under the bonnet, and they don't want to cut any holes in anything. Oh, my God. You know, like a four-stage four dry sump that needs about 15 to 20 litres of catch can vented on it. It's not proving to be the easiest of jobs, and it looks like someone got... A, one of those big anacondas that eats people in Indonesia made it out of braid and just wrapped it up in the engine bay, chopped it up and held it into position with cable ties. It's not pretty. More to the point, the more joins you have, the more hoses you have, and the more ties and cable ties and even metal straps you have, and the more unreliability you have. And you know that it's not going to be the sort of thing that you're going to do a London to Sydney marathons in and expect it to last. So, yeah, that one's uh, soon to come to uh, my tuning attention, and it's going to be bloody interesting. Yes, but again, that's not the worst of them. I, I, think, I think the hoses into the exhaust is, is the dumbest, but the world is littered with them, which is why um, some high-powered cars are so unreliable, because more time thinking and less time routing and fitting is required if you want the correct result. Now, there are probably some people that know a lot more than me. They'll tell me I'm a fucking idiot and don't know what I'm talking about. And they may have a clue that this is just uh, delving through my archives to see uh, what works and what doesn't. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm pretty good at uh, what doesn't. And you see, that's also why I look at something like my upcoming plaid is just being an engineering marvel because there's none of that. You open the hood and there's a space for a carton and ice. You open the boot, the trunk. There's nothing there either apart from big storage areas. You get underneath it on the hoist. It's flat floored. You can drive it 50 times down the quarter mile back to back and it doesn't pant or sweat. Do you see this is why I like that stuff so much, not because I hate old school stuff or petrol stuff, but I've seen so many people do it so wrong with the Monster Mash for so long 
and from what I'm seeing now, uh, they haven't learned a lot and they're not doing it much different. Uh, the whole plethora of people on my Facebook feeds and, and stuff like that seem to take a badge of honour in creating uh, leaking, unreliable and not that rapid shit. And when it pisses its pants everywhere, they refer to it as a leaking horsepower. That's something that is on page 52, subsection paragraph 613 of the Stellantis Owner's Manual. Let's leak horsepower. So yeah, that's kind of my rant for the day. So on to other things in the last few minutes that we have. Um, obviously, there's this is not financial advice. So don't listen to me. Remember what I say is do the opposite of I do and you may well be possibly better off, but that's not financial advice either. There will never be, I believe, a better time uh, to buy shares in Tesla than right now. Well, that's what I'm doing. I, sorry, I can't say that. I don't believe you should buy them. In fact, don't seek a qualified professional. However, with all of this bullshit that's going on with Twitter right now and the fact that Musk may be taking his eye off the ball with his car company, um, has a crashed the share price to a point where getting in is something that I'm doing as a Christmas present or getting in further for myself. I believe this is an opportunity that won't come up too often because people are quickly going to understand that the world's richest car company has more than one man running it, believe it or not. It's not like Stellantis where there's rooms of faceless people. But there is a talented pool of some of the very best software engineers and, and hardware engineers and <clears throat> you know factories and production facilities around that when the world work out that Elon's probably better off uh, mocking people and charging them $8 on Twitter, I think we're going to go for a little run towards the stratosphere and it's going to make a lot of people um, <clears throat> very, very happy. On a side note, the general supply of everything else in the electric world. Don't expect, I was talking to Gareth the other day, because he's a bit worried about what's happening with diesel and so on. And he's a bit worried about this electric thing is coming faster than we think it is. And it is, but the supply ain't. You know, even Tesla, and that's all they do. They're struggling. But my goodness, some of the other companies out there are like, they're all coming out with really good looking stuff, but they cannot make it or supply it wait time on one of the oldest EVs out there now in terms of, you know, from the legacy makers, the, not my favourite, but a bloody good car, the Porsche Toucan. Wait time here is now out to 18 months on something that's been in production. What's it been? Two years? Two and a half years? Amazing. You've just got to think that some of these car companies aren't particularly, you know, that serious even though they've invested billions and whatever else they're either not that serious or they're just locked into their old production ways and are actually like the rabbit in the, the headlights and are paralyzed and don't know what to do it really really is a spooky and scary thing and same with your hyundai's and, and kia's and everyone else you know they're just paralyzed they can't supply you a car they'd rather supply you a little perps and bangs i20 and so people can rave on about it soul then actually pull their finger out and get serious about proper production of their electric car fleet which they're going to have to do 
So yeah, everyone's sort of like, it's like when you see someone at the drags, they rev it up, big launch, and just bog it, hop it and bog it. That's exactly what's happening out there right now. And I think maybe Tesla are overcoming it. Well, they have to because it's all they've got, right? But the rest of them are just sitting there paralyzed and don't have a clue. So this weekend's the roll racing. It looks like it's going to be flooded out. If it's wet, obviously we're not running. If it's wet, I could probably win the entire event because I've got good traction and um, you know I can give it full power in the wet. Good luck with that in your wheelbarrow, babe. But yeah, so it's looking like it might be rained out, which is a bit of a shame. But if we get there, I'll keep you informed. And thank you once more for listening to Range Anxiety, babe.